Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we got a little bit of a weird one, a dark one. Um, This is a movie called Her Smell from writer-director Alex Ross Perry, starring Elizabeth Moss as Becky Something, a uh, grunge-era rock star who um, seems pretty much determined to uh, alienate everyone around her, including some of the audience, like myself. Although co-host Josh Bell absolutely loved this movie. I had mixed thoughts on it. I did like it, but um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to watch. Not unlike a movie we talked about last year called Vox Lux, which I loved and Josh didn't really love. But you know what? That is something we are going to get into in this conversation. Before we do get into that conversation about her smell, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. And uh, if you enjoy the show, you can rate and review us on iTunes. That would be amazing if you did that. Wait, I'm sorry. It's not called iTunes anymore. It's called Apple Podcasts. I screwed up again, guys. But you know what to do. Go rate and review us. That would be amazing if you did that. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. So, with that said, why don't we jump into this conversation about her smell? All right, back with us is Josh Bell. Josh, how you doing, man? I am doing very well. How are you? I'm 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 good. I'm good. Things have been busy, but we're here. We're ready to do another Piecing It Together. Yes, indeed we are. I'm always glad to have you back. Um, today we are talking about her smell, and uh, we almost didn't do this one, but you were like, let's do this one. I was like, yeah, let's do this one. Why not? Yeah, I, I liked it. I, know we, we, I don't think we've actually talked about uh, since you've watched it. Yeah, so no, we're, we're keeping this fresh. This yes. is like, you're, you're finding out when the audience is finding out. But. Right. <laughs> but for me, at least... I, this is like one of my favorite movies of the year so far, so I definitely, you know, had recommended that you watch it, and it's a shame that we never got it in theaters here in Las Vegas, Yeah, um, but it did come out on, uh, on VOD pretty quickly, and including on, on Hoopla, which I'll put in a plug for, because that's an awesome uh, streaming option for people with library cards. You can watch movies for free. Yeah, that's uh, how we watched it. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good that, uh, that Hoopla is around. There's so many different things around, but I do wish it had been in the theaters. Um, I think I'm a little, a little more mixed on it than you, but at the same time, it's certainly uh, something I enjoyed watching, and I'm glad to get to talk about it today. Yeah. So uh, why don't we jump in? What do you got for your first puzzle piece? 
All right. Well, my first puzzle piece, uh, this might be a slight cheat because this is a movie that uh, the director, Alex Ross Perry, has actually mentioned as a big influence on him, uh, and that is Danny Boyle's uh, Steve Jobs. Mm. His film uh, biopic, of course, about Steve Jobs, the Apple founder. And the main thing about that movie uh, that connects to her smell is the way that it's structured. So Steve Jobs is essentially three long sequences each set at like a big uh, sort of presentation or announcement event that Steve Jobs was involved with related to to Apple and to his uh, computer businesses mm. um, and sort of how those encapsulate his career, his relationships, et cetera. And, and her smell is structured similarly. We've got, I think it's five big sequences and, and not all of them are like backstage presentation sequences. I think maybe three of them take place backstage and then two of them are elsewhere. Um, but it's similarly structured in that it, it jumps ahead in time uh, after each of these sequences, and it gives you kind of snapshots of the character's life. Obviously, this is a fictional character, but still, it's a movie, Her Smell, I think that if you didn't know whether it was a fictional character or not, I think you could believe sure. that this was a, a kind of an unconventional version of a biopic um, because it follows a lot of the similar beats. So it's interesting to me. I personally, I was not a huge fan of Steve Jobs, uh, the movie, and I think it got a lot of mixed response. It was uh, sort of touted or positioned as a big awards kind of movie that never mm. really made it there. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to me to hear uh, a filmmaker like Alex Ross Perry, who's this kind of weird iconoclastic indie filmmaker, cite that. Sure. Kind of clumsy uh, awards bait movie as an influence. But he's an odd fellow, uh, uh, Alex Perry, and uh, has some interesting tastes. He wrote, I don't know if you saw, he wrote a column for IndieWire like a month ago or something uh, about how much he loved Avengers Endgame and how it should be nominated for a bunch of Oscars. <laughs> nice. So nice. he's a hard one to, to nail down, but he apparently... The big fan of Steve Jobs, and I, I, you can definitely see that, regardless of whether you like that movie or not. I think you can really see the influence here. Sounds like Alex Ross Perry likes uh, really strong personalities. Maybe that's his thing. Maybe so. Yeah, that could be. There's <laughs> definitely that in Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that, that that's uh, that's a good one, and I, I hadn't uh, I hadn't seen that interview or whatever, but I could I could definitely see that comparison, though. Like I said, the strong personality thing. Um, you know, this is definitely. You know, a character that's kind of easy to hate, you know, and right. uh, it makes it a little a little difficult at times. I think that's a thread that's going to run through some of my puzzle pieces as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Steve Jobs movie, I did like it, um, but it is the movie that turned Gina off of movies. Like, wow, she hated off that of movie. movies yeah. entirely. She Man. hated that movie. She thought it was just the worst between that and Pineapple Express. So maybe she just doesn't like Seth Rogen. Yeah, I, I guess. So. And that was one of Seth Rogen's more subdued performances yeah. in Steve Jobs, where he's kind of trying something a little more dramatic. And yeah. I think that's maybe the last time he did that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to start off, before I get into any of my movie puzzle pieces, my first puzzle piece, uh, I, I think the character, like you said, it, it feels almost like a real character, and I think, I just wanted to mention a few of the artists or bands that I thought probably inspired this band and uh, and the character of uh, 
uh, what's her name? Becky something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so some of those were um, Axl Rose of Guns N' Roses, um, of course, Courtney Love of Hole, uh, and uh, Scott Weiland of Stunt Up Pilots, Velvet Revolver, and then L7 as well. Um, but yeah, a lot of that uh, kind of just kind of destructive rock, that 90s style uh, kind of thing. And the the kind of artist where, where the front person... It just must just be hell. Must be such a pain in the ass. Must put the rest of the band and the people within their life just through nonstop just awfulness, you know? And of course, in the movie, we get to explore some of why that might be and why somebody might end up like that. But uh, certainly those characters are people that we've all joked about a little bit, those real-life characters. And I feel like this is kind of a uh, continuation of that kind of a character. Yeah, I I agree. The definitely the '90s thing. I think Courtney Love is the one that that people see sure. the most uh, in this character. Yeah. Uh, between the the '90s connection and the fact that it's an all female group. Um, but I think again, this might be where I also read about Steve Jobs that Alex Ross Perry has said that actually Axl Rose was his main inspiration oh, yeah? for this character. Yeah. Um, and I can certainly see that as well. Um, the '90s. I love the '90s aesthetic in this movie. I feel like it's done incredibly effectively yeah i mean that's that's certainly the era when i first started really getting into music and all of those grunge type bands i liked hole i liked l7 um bands like that i don't know maybe like veruca salt another female fronted grunge band um there was a great article i think it was in vulture where the designer who designed all of the fake album covers in the closing credits Mm -hmm. like they went there's like 22 of them and they went down each individual one, and he talked about what his inspiration was for it, and where oh, he cool. kind of got the imagery from, and how he, uh, you know, was given direction or not given direction by Perry as to you know what to create there, and it was really fascinating. So um, yeah, I I think those are all very uh, apt uh, right comparisons. On. Yes, very cool. What do you got for your next one? So my next pick is sort of a cult classic film, I guess you could say, uh, from, uh, I'm not sure what year exactly, I think some, sometime in the mid-80s, it's called Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains, uh, which is uh, another sort of like fake rock biopic, I guess you could say. Uh, it was uh, Diane Lane's big breakout role when she was like 15, I think. Um, and it's it's not a great movie. It's one of those movies that was like bungled on its release and barely put out. And for years and years was really hard to find. And I think built this big reputation in part based on the inability of people to see it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, when it finally became more available, um, I don't know, maybe for me, at least it was like a little underwhelming, but, uh, it definitely captures the, uh, that punk rock sort of anarchic spirit and Diane Lane uh, plays this character who's who's much younger, who's a teenager, um, but similar similarly has this attitude about screw everyone and everything, and I'm out for myself, and uh, you know, kind of destroying everything in her path. And she's fantastic. It opens with this great like monologue of her speaking directly to the camera about her sort of nihilistic worldview, and she's got this great eye makeup and this hair, and it's it's really good. And the, the movie's a bit downhill from there, um, <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a fascinating cult object, and uh, I think I can see a lot of of that Diane Lane character in uh, in Becky something in this movie. 
Sure. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that movie until I started looking up, like, review, like, looking for other, you know, rock music, you know, movies. And, yeah. And I, I found this one along the way, but I definitely had never seen it before. I never heard of it. It sounds, uh, well, you said it's not that good, but it's, it sounds interesting anyway. It is interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, several years ago, I did a thing on my site of uh, a month of Rocktober of uh, music, uh, like rock music movies. And that was one that uh, I included there that is a movie that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise watched, sure. but it was part of this project. And it was, it's an interesting curiosity, definitely. Maybe not a great movie. Right on. Uh, well, okay. My next puzzle piece. Um, a movie that I'm pretty sure you don't like is called Birdman. Oh, <laughs> I feel like we've talked about Birdman on this podcast I, I, I before. I think we have. You have been part of Birdman conversations. Um, so rather than going through the whole setup of what Birdman is, because obviously there's a lot of backstage stuff happening in this movie, which is a pretty easy comparison, the thing that I actually wanted to talk about was... Uh, Probably my favorite part of the movie, uh, aside from Elizabeth Moth's uh, performance, is the score. Yes. Outside of the songs, um, the score is fucking maddening. <laughs> like, it is really, it will drive you absolutely nuts. And as a composer, uh, I really appreciated that. And certainly the uh, score of Birdman in kind of a different way can drive you nuts. But, uh, you know, certainly the, the music in this film, it, it really, it, it, it creates a tension that is very, very off-putting, and you kind of get the feeling that uh, her character maybe is even hearing it, like throughout in a very strange meta way. Um, you, you just, it just, it's the sound of crumbling psyche, you know. And uh, it's a very like weird percussive thing with little bits of jazz stabs and stuff like that and uh, little guitar pieces just kind of sewn into it. Um, but yeah, it's a very, very interesting score. I should have written down the uh, composer's name. Do you happen to know it? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I agree with you on the fact that it's interesting. And it's, it's funny because, as you say, I, I am not a fan of Birdman. And one of the things I dislike the most about Birdman is the score. Uh-huh. Uh, because I just feel like it's completely distracting and inappropriate. And yet I love the score in this movie, In Her Smell, um, because I felt like it worked exactly alongside everything else the movie was doing. Yeah, yeah. And it does put you on edge. It is jarring and, and maybe off-putting at times. But it's absolutely a reflection of this character who herself is abrasive and uh, chaotic and uh, unstable and all of those things. And I think the the score, the way the movie is shot, the way that it's structured, it's all a reflection of this character's psyche, sure. which is one of the things I really liked about the movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, it's uh, Keegan DeWitt. And I'm just looking him up right now. And he did the music for the uh, HBO show Divorce, which I like the music on that show. So, Oh, okay. He's, yeah, I, uh, he's... I feel like he's written some original song. He wrote um, Hearts Beat Loud. The oh, song really? From that. And he's done a few original songs for movies where like the characters uh, are musicians and write songs. And I've definitely seen his name pop up quite a bit right in indie films and stuff like that. Very cool. All right. Well, what do you got next for your next puzzle piece? All right. Well, my next pick is the Madonna documentary Truth or Dare. And um, obviously, there's tons of rock and pop music documentaries about uh, narcissistic stars and their backstage <laughs> antics. And, uh, you know, I probably could have picked uh, something else. But I think 
First of all, Truth or Dare is probably one of the most famous, one of the most well-known, the one that people are most likely to have seen. Um, and I think it, it very much captures diva behavior. I mean, it's a different kind of diva behavior. Madonna is not presumably strung out on drugs, mm -hmm. and she's certainly not a grunge rock star. Uh, and, you know, a lot of it is she's got her... But she's got her famous boyfriend, you know, Warren Beatty, and she's complaining sure. to him or whatever. And, and okay, the Dan Stevens character in this film is not quite this. He's no Warren Beatty. Right. But at the same time, you've got that dynamic and this, this self-involved famous musician and the put upon, you know, romantic interest who is just trying to tolerate her and deal <laughs> with her uh, as she's going through her, her whole uh, process or whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's a movie where, of course, Madonna allowed herself to be shown that way, and I'm sure it was all very controlled, and any meltdown or argument or anything that they show in that movie was completely approved sure. by her. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I would imagine that because also, as we said, this movie... Uh, feels like it could be about a real person. I would imagine that that Alex Ross Perry probably studied a lot of these, not only biopics but also documentaries about rock stars and oh, that yeah. that kind of behavior. Um, I haven't seen Truth or Dare in quite a while, but I'm a big Madonna fan, and uh, I remember being amused and entertained by it uh, at the time. Uh, I so. wonder if I ever saw that. I, I of course remember it. Um, that's one of those movies, you know, from a long time ago that it, it just seems like I did, but I just don't really recall. Um, but it was like it was one of those things. It was such a big movie at the time, right? A music documentary that was a big hit is yeah. very rare. Yeah, yeah, that was a huge thing at the time. Um, <laughs> well, okay, I'm gonna go on to my next puzzle piece, uh, and. So my next one is uh, th this movie. I, I think it, you know, the the main attraction of the movie is a central huge performance by a pretty, uh, you know, monstrous character who kind of, you know, just, you know, tears, you know, tears her way across every scene, you yeah. know. And so I thought of There Will Be Blood as my next puzzle piece right. as an example yeah. of of a uh, a movie that's centered on that you know that kind of a big huge character uh big performance just totally chewing up everything you know everything that comes across for an entire 2 hours or however long the movie is yeah yeah i i can see that and i i can definitely see especially in the the later sequences of there will be blood where daniel plainview is kind of a recluse mm -hmm. and has lost his uh his fortune and and it's all of just his crumbling all around right <laughs> and and there's a lot of that in the in the later uh portion or i guess the what is it maybe the fourth portion of this where, sure. where becky is kind of isolated in her house and doesn't know if she's ever gonna leave or perform again or anything like that yeah um yeah i could see that i would love to see a remake of there will be blood starring elizabeth moss Ooh. as daniel plainview i think I, that would be amazing i think if nothing else uh, elizabeth moss can do pretty much anything i, yes. I could see it yeah i could totally see it she's she's uh she's a screamer that's yes for sure. <laughs> she is and she's am she's amazing and and i think this is you know you like you said it's a big performance and she's kind of chewing scenery but i think it's that can easily be 
too much or be irritating or feel phony. And I didn't get that at all. I thought she was fantastic and did exactly what the character calls for in all of these moments. Oh, I think she was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, The character, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) What would your next puzzle piece be? Uh, All right. Well, my next puzzle piece, well, speaking of Elizabeth Moss, my next uh, piece is Queen of Earth, which is the previous collaboration between Elizabeth Moss and Alex Ross Perry. Um, so yeah, Her Smell is actually the third movie they've made together. Right, right. Um, they're very much, uh, strong collaborators. Um, and Queen of Earth is one, uh, as opposed to, they, they previously they did a movie, Listen Up, Philip, where Elizabeth Moss is kind of a, a secondary character, but in Queen of Earth, she's another main star. And it's a lot more of a surreal, uh, sort of less straightforward movie than this one is, Mm -hmm. um, is about two friends who uh, go uh, kind of on a weekend getaway and and sort of uh, their their mental state uh, and their friendship kind of crumbles. Holy shit! Um, I did see this. <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah, I I didn't think I had, and I'm just it's just coming back to me right now. I totally saw this movie. Yeah, and I like. I mean, I if you can't tell, I I like Alex Ross Perry a lot. Yeah. He's not for everyone, clearly. Yeah. Um, but I think his movies are always interesting and sometimes baffling. And Queen of Earth is is both of those things. Oh yeah. Um, but it again it it features a, a very strong, intense performance from Elizabeth Moss. I think he can bring that out of her very well. And I could absolutely see, I don't know if this is the case or not, but I could absolutely see after working together on that movie, the two of them saying, you know, let's craft something that allows her to just let loose in every way uh, leading into this movie. So uh, yeah, I recommend uh, all his movies um, if you have tolerance for strangeness and and characters who can be very abrasive i guess i owe it to myself to see the third one now that i've seen these other two um yeah they're definitely you know they're they're difficult watches that's yes, for sure yes yeah, there's no question about that um but yeah no it, it, i do think that's awesome though that you know what you just said there is probably exactly what happens like they just said we love working together let's like let's come up with something that will let her just go nuts. Like, right. Like just go yes. all out. And that's, yes. that's pretty cool. I like yeah. it. You know? Um, right. On. Well, uh, my next puzzle piece and, uh, I, this, this is my last main puzzle piece. And after this one, I will, uh, I'll, I'll give poor Becky something a break. Um, but, uh, I, I, I wanted to bring up another movie with a kind of insufferable character that, uh, depending on your point of view, you may actually go along with and, you know, actually really enjoy her regardless. And, uh, and probably a lot of people disagree with me on this, but maybe not a lot of people, but Lady Bird was the next one I thought of, huh. which, yeah, I, Lady Bird is a movie I that I, I did enjoy. Uh, however, the character of Lady Bird is somebody who I'm just like, you know, just stop, please. <laughs> you know, just please stop. And uh, th- that's kind of the same feeling that this character evokes. It's just kind of like, uh, you know, like, what are you doing? You're just, you're, you're you're ruining everything. Please, please stop. Please let me continue watching this movie. <laughs> you know, just please calm down. But uh, of course, that doesn't happen, really, and uh, until basically the end. But um yeah, I, I'm sure. What do you think of Lady Bird? Were you a big fan of Lady Bird? I like Lady Bird a lot. I think I think Lady Bird as a character is less abrasive than Becky Something. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, certainly. I mean, Becky Something's got the whole punk rock energy right. and all that stuff. So, I mean, certainly, Le- Lady Bird would be less so. But 
she's still, I think, uh, kind of just annoying. You know what I mean? I guess I never found Lady Bird annoying as a character. I think you can watch that movie and realize she is very self-involved yes. and maybe she's making poor decisions or yeah. she's treating people around her unfairly. Yeah. I never found her annoying as like a presence mm-hmm. in that movie. And and I think what's fascinating about that movie is that it's willing to give you this character who is wrong about a lot of things, you right. know, and 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 go with that. Um, so yeah, I like Lady Bird a lot, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, is Lady Bird likable as a character? Maybe right. not, but I think she's fascinating exactly. as a character, and I never felt annoyed. You know, there's definitely movies where the lead character is meant to be sort of an unpleasant person. Sure. And I'm just like, shut up, go away. Right. You know, it's unpleasant to watch the movie. But, and I think that's bad. I don't, I like a movie where maybe the lead character is is an unpleasant person, but you're fascinated watching. What will this person do next? Exactly. You know, and I felt that way about... Uh, Becky something I can see how people would not have would have a lower tolerance for her than I did Um, but yeah to me that's the key difference and I never felt annoyed by Lady Bird as a character I was always interested to see her and I totally agree with you on that Um, I would say that uh, you know that that's why I'm able to watch and enjoy both of these movies that I'm talking about here but yeah it's just more so the character themselves you know yeah 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 that makes sense that yeah. definitely makes sense you could see lady bird growing up into becky something if she uh, <laughs> oh boy. got a, into a punk rock phase or something yeah yeah totally uh unfiltered and not, not nobody tells her no right <laughs> right yes <laughs> well what do you got for your uh, next puzzle piece uh all right so my next piece is really related and we we were mentioning a little bit the fourth section of this movie where becky is is kind of a recluse and she's in her uh uh mansion or whatever mm-hmm. kind of not seeing anyone and it made me think of gus van zandt's last days uh which is a fictionalized account of the end of kurt cobain's life and is very much about this rock star who is isolated in this sprawling yet empty mansion and is adrift. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that movie leads to a suicide, mm-hmm. uh, whereas Becky, her story has a more hopeful ending. Sure. Uh, even though it's a little ambiguous, you could argue at the end of what what that really means for her life going forward, but right. she certainly doesn't end by killing herself. No. <laughs> um, but but that sequence especially where she's just in those depths of despair, uh, even though in this movie it's it follows her having gotten sober, but still you get the impression in that sequence that almost that getting sober was was terrible for her. Right. That right. maybe it didn't help her and it just made things worse in her life. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, this is another movie. It's been a long time since I saw this movie and I am not a fan of it. <laughs> uh, it was during that, that, that Gus Van Sant period where he made, I think three movies that were all about just like characters kind of like walking around, not saying anything for very long periods sure. of time. Yeah. Um, but I think it actually has turned out to be a pretty influential film um, in the way that it depicted rock stardom and maybe uh, gave certain filmmakers the freedom to do something a little more meditative or contemplative with a fictional story or with a biopic. So um, I can see that 
uh, coming into play here. Sure, absolutely. And I had thought of that at one point while uh, while coming up with my pieces, but I, I haven't seen it since it first came out. And I, I honestly, it didn't leave that big of an impression on me, like, you know, like you said. And and uh, I didn't really, I don't remember it very well, so I didn't want to bring it up. But but yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it certainly... It certainly does, though, take a look at rock stars in in that more, you know, contemplative way. It's kind of the polar opposite of something like a Bohemian Rhapsody or something yes, like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, right on. Well, like I said, that was my last puzzle piece, but I do have something. I was going to bring it up after, but I might as well bring it up now just almost as a puzzle piece, even though it's uh, certainly too new to have really been one. Um, and that is a movie we disagreed on. <laughs> I figured you were going to mention this. <laughs> that is a movie called Vox Lux that came out last year. And, um, yeah, uh, that is a similar, uh, similar premise to begin with of a very difficult rock star, uh, a difficult to watch movie, uh, a movie that really just kind of, uh, in a way is daring you to really like sit through it and witness all of this, you know, what this, this person has created for themselves in their life and what this life has turned into of, uh, just, just anger and sadness and pain. And, and, uh, to me, for whatever reason, Vox Lux works more for me than it did for you. Um, I, we did a whole second episode talking about all the reasons, uh, we loved it. Me and, uh, one of the co-hosts, Chris Cranock. um, but uh, I suppose that we could do a whole second episode <laughs> on her smell. There's that much to talk about about this movie. But yeah, uh, did, I, I'm sure that movie came to mind for you as well. Absolutely. And like you said, it, there's no way it could have been an influence. They're probably being made sure. around the same time. Yeah. Um, but clearly, there's a whole trend of these movies about these difficult female rock or pop stars yeah. between Vox Lux and her smell. And the recent uh, remake of A Star is Born, mm -hmm. there was uh, Teen Spirit with Elle Fanning, yeah. which I don't think either of us have seen that. No, I was on my way to see it, and I needed gas, and I stopped <laughs> for gas, and it just never happens. So. Yeah, that happens sometimes. <laughs> uh, and there's another one coming out, uh, I think, in a month or two called Wild Rose. I heard that's um, great. Yeah, so yeah. so this is something, this is a trend of some kind, yeah. definitely, and, and, and certainly her smell is part of that trend. I, I did not like Vox Lux. I think that goes to the... The idea of the abrasive protagonist who I didn't want to watch. Right. I wasn't interested in what she was going to do next. I was just completely irritated with her and wanted her to go away. The trick is to just focus on Jude Law the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but it has, I, I would imagine that there are similar influences on both of these movies. Definitely. I think they come from similar places. Yeah. And I think both of those filmmakers are, have a tendency to, make movies that are off-putting yeah. to the audience yeah. and would probably take pride in that uh, happening. Yeah, it, so. it's an it's a, it's a interesting, um, uh, an interesting idea to, to combine something as, you know, joyful as popular music, you know, from both of these genres, which are fairly similar genres, uh, with, with such difficult subject matter, really, when it comes down to what they're actually putting on screen. Right, and I mean, Vox Lux takes on... Uh, subject matter that is larger sure. than uh, music and musicians yeah. and which you know to me was another thing that just did not work at all about that movie yeah. um, whereas her smell is very much focused on 
things that, you know, typical things that you expect or hear about with musicians, you know, the drug addiction and the infighting with the band members and the uh, manager who takes their money and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, So maybe it's more traditional in that sense than Vox Lux, but I I feel like it was, I was able to buy into it more Mm -hmm. uh, versus Vox Lux, where in addition to the character just driving me crazy, I feel like every moment I was like, this is this is BS. This is nonsense. I don't believe this for a second. So well, I, we don't I, need to re- rehash that movie and I'll, why I didn't like it. I'll just say before we move on that I'm Team Vox Lux. However, the music, the songs in her smell are better. Uh, yes. The Something She is a better band. So yes. I'll put it that way. I, I think so too. So, <laughs> um, we go on with your next puzzle. So, please. well, my last one, and this kind of is just piggybacking on a little of what we mentioned, is uh, A Star is Born. Uh, particularly the 1976 uh, Barbara Streisand version. Um, obviously, like Vox Lux, the the current version, the more recent version, wouldn't have been an influence as a movie sure. that would have been made around the same time. Um, but I think that 76 version with Barbara Streisand, which is the first one that shifts the story to the music industry from the film industry, which is what the previous two versions had been about, um, gets to that uh idea of the bigness of being a rock star and yeah. the idea of being like offered everything that you could want and it still being just like hollow and unpleasant mm-hmm. um and Streisand is very abrasive <laughs> in that movie in a way that I think she's not meant to be right, right. um and I I think that's that is easily the worst version of a star is born um but the character of I think is is still Esther is the name of the character in that movie um is is closer to uh to Becky something than any of the other versions of a star is born uh she's a bit more self-involved a bit more inconsiderate of people around her mm. even though of course the way that that story goes in those movies she's not the most self-destructive one it's the you know the male character Chris Christopherson in this case who ends up being more self-destructive. Right. Um, but you can see some of that in the way he's portrayed too. And his character, of course, is the one who starts out on kind of the tail end of his fame. And you can see that with Becky something here. This movie starts after they've kind of started to decline. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't see the height of something she, we see the end. It begins at the end of their career. And that's something that we get in A Star is Born as well. So... You know, I imagine he'd seen these. Love it or hate it, uh, the newest Star is Born, and this is a total aside, but <laughs> I think of any movie that shows the uh, the destructiveness of that rock star lifestyle, uh, it, it it makes it look a little cooler, I think. <laughs> a, little, a little less awful, even if you do end up hanging yourself in your garage. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, li- I like the new Star is Born. I think the Streisand version, like I said, is the worst uh, of them all, and I think the new one is a lot better, but... Um... The Streisand one is is weirdly, I think maybe the most influential, including on the new version. They take a lot from yeah. that one more so than the previous two. Sure. Well, I think we're at our finished puzzle, and yes. uh, let's do this, and we'll get into any final thoughts we've got. But uh, the finished puzzle for her smell includes Steve Jobs, uh, true life stories of destructive artists and bands. Uh, which is not a movie, that's a thing. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains, Birdman, Madonna's Truth or Dare, There Will Be Blood, Queen of Earth, Lady Bird, Last Days, Vox Lux, not really a puzzle piece, but you know, and A Star is Born. So that's our finished puzzle. Um, 
what do you have any final thoughts on her smell? I mean, I liked it a lot. Like I said earlier, I, I thought it really worked for me. And I can see how it wouldn't for some mm-hmm. that the elements that I liked a lot about it, including the abrasiveness of the character and the style, the way it just keeps you on edge the whole time, the score and the the camera movement and, you know, which we, we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth Moss is amazing in this movie she and she should get like an Oscar nomination, which will never happen because nobody saw this movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but she's just absolutely fantastic. And uh, I hope more people see it. Like I said, it's available on Hoopla. If you have a library card, I assume it's available on various other VOD services if you want to pay four bucks, which is totally worth paying for. Um and yeah, as of right now, I mean, we're not quite halfway through the year, but this is in my like top five for 2019. I really liked it. Right on. I, I, like I said, I, there are things about it I really liked. Of course, that performance at the center of it is just fantastic. I, I can't deny that whatsoever. And, uh, and like I talked about the score earlier, which I think is really great. And um, th- there's other things about it I really like too. I, I didn't love it as much as you did, but overall, I definitely think it's a movie that people should check out. Um, you know, especially if they're open to, you know, kind of difficult watches, you know, that, yes. they, that, that it should have that disclaimer before that. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. It's not, it's not for everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. That, is, that, that is definitely true. Absolutely. Well, uh, Josh, uh, do you have anything else you watched recently you'd like to recommend? Yeah, well, speaking of things that are abrasive and not for everyone, mm. uh, I watched The Perfection on Netflix, oh, which is okay. a very strange and uh, aggressive kind of film uh, from Richard Shepard, who's made all sorts of different, uh, he's had kind of a checkered career. Um, but it, it very much owes, we could do a great episode on this, I think, because it's got a lot of interesting influences, Brian De Palma and Park Chan-wook, um, and is just a crazy weird-ass movie uh, with very intense performances from Allison Williams and Logan Browning. Um, so, and it's on Netflix. Of course, there's a million movies on Netflix at all times, and sure. a lot of them, they get lost in the shuffle, but... Uh, I think, like like with her smell, if you are open to semi-abrasive, strange viewing experiences uh, and you don't mind some extreme violence, uh, check out The Perfection on Netflix. I like extreme violence sometimes. All right. <laughs> right on. Well, uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Well, of course, we want to plug the brand new podcast. Yes, uh, we do. That we are starting uh, co-hosted by myself and Jason Harris, who has been a, an occasional guest here on Piecing It Together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that podcast is called Awesome Movie Year, and it's going to take on the movies of a different year in each kind of mini season, I guess we could call it. Uh, we're starting with the year 1994, so we're going to look at 12 different movies from 1994. Uh, from the Best Picture winner and the top movie at the box office to some of our personal picks and future cult classics and things like that. So I hope people will check it out. And uh, Dave is the producer and occasional uh, contributor as well. And that is launching on uh, July 3rd. July 3rd, absolutely. And uh, you guys will be able to uh, check that out. We'll have links in the the show notes and everything. And we'll probably uh, drop a little episode as like a little bonus thing, just so that way you guys can get a taste of it as it's it's starting to come out. But we will send you all of the links and all that stuff so you all could check that out. 
So, uh, Josh, as always, thanks for being here, and um, let's do it again really soon. Yes, let's hint, do that. Hint, we're doing another movie with Elizabeth <laughs> Moss coming up here. We are. Welcome to the world's first podcast. Well, the first one they've done. Gas Money Pictures presents Filmmakers On, a podcast for filmmakers by filmmakers about the ever-changing media landscape. Each Thursday, hosts Jay Horton and Sean Alden Reed speak to a media insider about their journey through the industry and how to survive without going crazy. Segments like What Are You Watching, Media Roundup, and It's Your Turn give Jay and Sean the opportunity to do their favorite thing discuss what's going on in movies, TV, and media, and mainly disagree. Filmmakers On is available on your favorite podcasting app or at www.filmmakerson.com. And check them out on social media, at Filmmakers On. All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation about her smell. And if you caught that little hint at the end of the episode, we are in fact doing an episode on us this week. Yes, we're finally doing an episode on us. It's been a long time coming. Been trying to get it scheduled for ever since it was back in the theater, but uh, we just couldn't do it. But now it is out on VOD. I think as of the time that this episode goes up, uh, the Her Smell episode I'm talking about. So that means now that you're done listening to this, you can go rent it and watch it if you've never seen it before and get ready for Friday when the Us episode goes up, which is again going to be with Josh Bell. So... I hope you guys are looking forward to that. And of course, if you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice, it's just going to download that episode as soon as it's up there. So you should uh, go get subscribed. That would be really cool. And if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, you can rate and review us and give us five stars and let us know what you think of the show. That would be amazing if you did that. So what else can you guys do? Oh, yeah, you can... uh, Follow us on social media at PiecingPod. You can join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that's enough things to tell you guys to do for today. We'll tell you to do more things on Friday. <laughs> but uh, I, I do want to, uh, real quick, before we uh, finish up the show, I want to... Um, just thank you all so much for listening and the continued support. Uh, we've been getting so much great feedback on the show lately. Um, a, a lot of people out there listening and just, you know, they actually are enjoying this show. And I really appreciate that. I think it's just so awesome and uh, makes it worthwhile because uh, this show has really grown into something much bigger than I expected it to be. And uh, combined with now producing the Awesome Movie Year podcast, which is coming July 3rd, there's another plug for that. Um, but And then the Bird Road podcast, and then everything I do with music, the Pup Pups album is coming real soon. Um, it, it's been a busy time, but uh, all this stuff, as long as people are listening, that makes me happy. So thank you for being out there and listening. So uh, with that, let's leave you guys with a piece of my music, as I always do. And uh, I was trying to look for something a little more rock star. Uh, not, a, not a lot of my music is very like rock rock, but uh, this piece is very guitar driven, so I thought it would be a good one. It is called Last Kiss, and it's from my album An Unseen Sky. And, uh, you know, I don't think I've mentioned this before on the show, but if I've ever played this track before, but um, there is a music video for this one that I really, really want to make. Um, even though this album is two albums ago already, 
um, eventually I'm going to get some money together and a team together and make this video. It, I think it's just such a cool concept. It's something that I came up with myself and I just, I love it and I want to see it happen. So, Hey, if you're a filmmaker and you're listening to this and you want to collaborate on something cool, get in touch with me. Let's, uh, let's, let's make a really cool, dark, but beautiful video. All right. So this song is called last kiss. And all points west. <laughs>